All right. We are starting a new series today. Had a great start to things already this morning, and we're starting a new series now that is called The Light. And this series will take us on through the fall and through Christmas, and we'll see where it goes from there. I'm not going to commit to an end time. I learned that the hard way last time, that there's just no point in committing to an end date. So we're going to get into the word and this series, as I've said, is called The Light and I'll explain more about how that's relevant this morning. I'll talk about what that means to this series. Uh, we are going to study together the book of First Peter. And I'm really excited about that. Um, as I read through First Peter, I was drawn back to it as I was thinking about this fall and, and then read through it again and again and again and just realized, wow, God has an awful lot to say to us through this letter that Peter wrote to the church back in the first century. There's an awful lot there for us to take in. There's an awful lot that we can learn. There are an awful lot of similarities between Peter's audience and us. And as we go through the series, we'll get into those similarities. We'll start to understand why this is so relevant to us. And then in tandem with our study of 1 Peter, um, we're going to focus on the Jerusalem mandate this fall. We're going to talk about what it is to be the New Testament church in the world. We're going to look at the advice and guidance that Peter gave the New Testament church. And then ask, what does it mean for us to be God's church in the world right now? What does that mean? How does that play out? And Peter was trying in 1 Peter to equip the church for their role in the world and all of the things that they face there. And we want to use the book of First Peter to equip us. And so we'll have these conversations that spin off of that. And we'll talk about what it means to be a light in our world no matter where we are. Um, a while back, I, I spoke in one of my sermons about the need for us to know and understand the influences in our lives. That if we're going to read something that was written by someone, that we ought to know the source. Because we've discovered again and again in this world that, um, that there is a possibility that the source wasn't authentic. That there's something not right about the source of the things that we listen to, the influences in our lives. And so we stopped and, and asked that question. Do we know our influences? Are we aware of who they are? Of where they come from? What their perspective is? And so I want to do the same thing this morning with Peter. Now we can trust what he writes. We can trust the word of God. We know that this is the word of God. We can trust what's in here. We can believe what's being spoken to us from the word of God. But I want us to become more familiar this morning with who Peter is. Now he's a famous character. There's no question about it. We already know a lot about Peter. And we'll talk about a lot of stories this morning that are familiar to many of us. Especially if we've grown up in the church. We've heard a lot of these stories. But we need to learn about Peter. We need to learn about his character. We need to learn more about his story. We need to focus on what God did in him. And it'll give us a much better background, a much better perspective as we come into the study of this letter that he wrote. And so I want to talk about Peter. Who was Peter? And I want to look at several different aspects of Peter's character. First of all, what I want to look at is the fact that Peter was an adventurous man. Peter was an adventurous man. That's one of his qualities. There's no question about it. Just look at the way that we're introduced to Peter in the Bible. So turn right away to Mark chapter 1. Mark 1. We're going to read verses 16 through 20 in Mark chapter 1. 
And what's happening here is this is at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He has just gone out into the desert for 40 days and been tempted there by Satan. He's come back. He's ready now. His father has said, it's time. It's time for you to start your ministry here among the people that I will give you. And so Jesus begins by calling his first disciples. And Peter is one of those disciples. And in Mark chapter 1, we find an account of, of how this happened. So Mark 1, verses 16 to 20, this is what it says. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw Simon, that's Peter, and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boats mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. They followed Jesus. Peter dropped everything. To follow Jesus. And these other fishermen do the same. Peter's brother Andrew and and the brothers James and John dropped everything right there in that instant. Left what they were doing and followed Jesus. Now note that these men were living and working in the region of the Sea of Galilee. That's a pretty significant thing actually. Um, Josephus was a Jewish historian that lived in the first century. And we are, we are blessed to have his writings and have access to them. He wrote down observations about what was going on around him. Much of the history and tradition and background for the New Testament comes through the writings of Josephus. We can learn a ton from him. And I've used him before as a, as a source. There are all kinds of things that he gives us help understanding and seeing. Um, we get a better picture because of him. He was at one point a general in the military right in this region of the Sea of Galilee. He had a deep understanding of that region. Josephus understood Galilean men. He was a general. He got them. He understood their character. And there was something very distinguished about them. There was something very unique about them. This is how he described their temperament. He said that men of Galilee were ever fond of innovations and by nature disposed to changes and delighting in seditions or rebellions. This described Galilean men. This is the kind of men that they were. William Barclay is a a well-known Bible commentator and he wrote this about the men of Galilee. He said they're quick-tempered, impulsive, emotional, easily roused by an appeal to adventure, loyal to the end, Peter was a typical man of Galilee. That's who he was. It was in his DNA. He was a Galilean. So for him to just drop everything and follow Jesus was not that far out of his comfort zone. He would do this. He would jump at this because Peter was by nature an adventurous man. And that was necessary. Peter was also a courageous man. Now, Peter is often remembered for his lack of courage, for how he denied Jesus three times. We'll look at that later. But Peter was a very courageous man. In spite of the lack of courage he displayed in the courtyard before Jesus' crucifixion, we can see Peter's courage. Just look a little bit before that to the garden where the mob showed up to get Jesus. What did Peter do? Drew a sword. He was willing to fight an entire mob. 
Well, you have to kind of be courageous. That's not just adventurous. That takes some courage. He was, ready, he was willing to take them on. Peter had courage to, to ask Jesus questions that maybe others wouldn't. He wanted clarification and he had the courage to say, I don't get this. Can you please explain this to me? In Matthew 15, 15, Jesus had just told his disciples another parable. Peter was the one who had the courage to say, Jesus, explain the parable to us. He was willing to say, I don't get it. Help us understand this. In Matthew 18, 21, Jesus was talking about forgiveness. Peter was the one with the guts to say, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? Jesus answered him. In Matthew 19, 27, following Jesus' words about how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, Peter asks the question. He says, Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. What are we going to get? What's in this for us? It took some courage to ask questions like that, especially to Jesus. And so Peter was adventurous and he was courageous. Peter was also a leader. He was a leader among men. There's no question about Peter's leadership ability. In Matthew 10 too, Peter is referred to as the first among the disciples. And that's not just his name was always listed first because maybe he was chosen first or anything like that. It has to do with prominence. He was the leader. He was the recognized leader among the disciples. So he was mentioned first. He was their leader. Peter's house had become a bit of a headquarters for the disciples. That's mentioned already in Mark chapter 1, right after Jesus calls his disciples. Peter's place becomes their headquarters. Peter's wife joined him in ministry later. Their household was available to this church that was emerging there, to the New Testament church. In Matthew 17, the disciples are approached by some tax collectors and they have a question. They want to know if Jesus pays taxes. And when they came to the disciples, it's clear in the scriptures that they came straight to Peter. They didn't go to any of the other guys. They came to Peter first and they asked him this question about whether or not Jesus paid taxes. He was identified, Peter was identified as the leader. He had that role. Peter was an adventurous man. He was a courageous man. He was a leader among men. And Peter was a self-confident man. He was a self-confident man. In Matthew chapter 16, um, Jesus has asked the question of who do people say that I am? He's asked them that and different answers are given about prophets and that kind of stuff. Um, And then Jesus rephrases it for his disciples. He says, who do you say that I am? And who's the first to answer? It's Peter. Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And states with total confidence who he is. And then Jesus goes into a statement about having to die. He mentions to his disciples that he is going to have to suffer and die. And how does Peter respond to this? He rebukes Jesus. That's how confident this guy is. He says, no, you're the Christ. You're not going through this. God forbid it. You are not going through this. And that prompted Jesus to use these incredibly painful words with Peter. Get behind me, Satan. He was very confident. Turn to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. Jesus has just instituted the Lord's Supper with his disciples. He has identified Judas 
as his betrayer. And now he brings up his impending death again. In Matthew chapter 26, go to verse 30. We'll read verses 30 to 35. Matthew 26, beginning at verse 30. And when they, when the disciples had sung a hymn together, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples followed their leader and said the same thing. We will not deny you again Peter spoke first he is absolutely confident that he will follow Jesus no matter what he will always be there with him Peter's an adventurous man he's a courageous man he is a leader among men Peter is a self-confident man but then something happens to Peter and Peter becomes a broken man All of Peter's good qualities, his adventurous spirit, his courage, his leadership, his confidence, all of those good qualities about Peter's character could only carry him so far. They could only take him so far. They go through their experience in the garden. Peter's courage is shown, his confidence is shown. Jesus is arrested, he's taken before Pilate. And then in the courtyard facing the pressure of the crowd as they identified Peter as one who had been with Jesus as one of his followers, Peter's humanity fails. It fails him. We know the story. A servant girl is the first one to identify him. You're one of them. You're one of the Galileans. You've been with him. You're one of Jesus' followers. And he says, no, I'm not. I don't know the man. And then two more times, others identify him. Say, you're him, you're the guy, you're the guy. You've been with Jesus, you're one of those. And he says, no, even to the point of swearing that he doesn't know Jesus. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Because he realized what he had done. He was broken by the realization of his own weakness. Can you imagine what he went through after denying Jesus three times? And then watching Jesus, who loved him so much, be crucified and buried. I don't think we can even begin to understand the anguish that Peter was experiencing during those three days. What do you think this did to Peter's confidence in himself? But this is a critical point in Peter's life. When we fail, when our weakness is shown, when our humanity, when our good stuff, when our qualities reach the line and they can't take us any further, these are critical points in our lives. When we know that we're weak, when we are broken, when we feel hopeless, 
They're critical for us. This was a critical point for Peter. But Peter's story neither started nor ended here. His brokenness was his turning point. Turn to John chapter 21. John 21. We're going to begin at verse 15 as we read this time. John 21. This is after the resurrection. Jesus has appeared to seven disciples on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. There was another fishing miracle involved here that was part of his plan. John recognizes Jesus and he tells Peter that the man that they're visiting with is Jesus. The man on the shore is Jesus. And what does Peter, the adventurous, impulsive one, do? Jumps in the water and swims to shore. He wants to get there as fast as he can. And this is what happens. John chapter 21, verses 15 to 19. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to them, to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And we have to understand that Jesus and Peter were using two different words for love here. Jesus was saying, do you love me with this kind of love? And Peter was saying, you know I love you with this kind of love. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he used Peter's terminology. And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, Jesus said to Peter, follow me. There it is again. Follow me. Peter was willing again to follow Jesus. But this time things were different. Very different. This was a second chance For Peter. And Peter was now a different man. Yes, Peter was an adventurous man. He was a courageous man. He was a leader. Peter was a confident man. But Peter was now a broken man. He was in need of redemption. And Jesus redeemed him. Peter was a redeemed man. And we need to understand clearly what that means. We need to understand this word redeemed. I want to give you six parts of the definition. When I looked up redeem in the dictionary, there are six pieces to this that I want you to see. And they're very important. This is a word we have to understand really well. Because you and I have been redeemed. Here's what it means to be redeemed. Redeemed means this, first of all. To buy back, to repurchase something that was once yours. You lost it and now you buy it back. You repurchase it. Okay, we can put Jesus' picture all over this, can't we? It's the first aspect of the word redeem. Second aspect is this. To free from harm or to ransom someone. When someone has been taken captive, the way that person is freed from harm, from the harm of the captors, is to be ransomed. 
That is wrapped up in the definition of the word redeem. Third element of it is this. To change for the better or to reform something. Peter was being changed for the better. Again, this is, I'll talk about this in a minute, but Peter wasn't, not everything about Peter was being thrown out. Jesus chose him for a reason. But now he's taken the good things about Peter and he's made them better. They've been traded in for something of better, higher value. He's been reformed. Then there's this part of the definition. To repair and restore. That's what it means to redeem. That's part of the definition of redeem. Then there's this. To exchange for something of value. And again, Jesus takes something that Peter has on a human level and exchanges that for something of eternal value. Eternal value. And then finally, this is the the tail end of this. Redeem means to atone for, to reconcile. There are all these different elements to the word redeem. Peter was a redeemed man. And we need to know that about Peter. There's an awful lot of, uh, of attention to me that's drawn to someone who's being redeemed by God. You can see something there and we'll see this in Peter's writing. We'll see it in his life. We'll see it as we study him and this letter that he wrote to the church. Peter was a redeemed man. Look at his life after Jesus restored him, after he redeemed him. In Acts 1.15, Peter took the lead in finding a disciple to replace Judas. It says that Luke writes that, that Peter stood up among the brothers to address, to initiate the Judas issue. We need to replace him. Peter led the way in that. In Acts 2.14, upon the arrival of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, when the disciples were accused of being drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning, it was Peter who addressed the crowd. He delivered a sermon that drew about 3,000 people to Christ that day. He's the one who stood up and spoke. He was courageous. He was confident. In Acts 15, after having been rebuked by Paul for leading the Gentiles to believe that that they needed to conform to Jewish tradition in order to be a follower of Christ, Peter spoke eloquently and powerfully about the equality that Christ had declared between Jews and Gentiles. Peter was growing in humility. Now there's something new there for Peter. There's a new character quality that's developing. In Acts 11, Peter defends his calling when he's criticized. He was strong. He stood up in the craziest of environments and defended who he was and who Christ was. He was a strong man. In the Gospels, we see a Peter who was predominantly a Galilean man. In the book of Acts, we see a redeemed man. A redeemed man. In Acts 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 8, 9, and 10, Peter is the primary figure and the leader of the New Testament church. His mark is all over the first half of the book of Acts. Peter is their leader. The church started under Peter's leadership. But the mark that Peter leaves is a very different mark than what he left in the Gospels. The same man who denied Jesus, who challenged Jesus, who pushed Jesus to use the name Satan with him. The man who took his eyes off Jesus is now the very man that Jesus uses to establish his church on earth. Peter's legacy had been redeemed. 
something that I want us to see clearly this morning. The redemption of Peter's legacy was not simply a case of removing the bad and replacing it with good. Peter came to Jesus with a lot of strengths, a lot of qualities. Peter was an adventurous man. He had to be if Jesus needed him to just drop everything and follow him. Peter was a courageous man. This quality was also necessary for someone who would follow this revolutionary name, Jesus. Peter was a leader. Jesus knew this and he was counting on Peter's natural ability, God-given ability to influence others. And Peter was a confident man, an absolute necessity for a fisherman who would now stand up to rabbis for the sake of the gospel. Jesus never threw out Peter's character and replaced it with a, a new and entirely different character. Peter was adventurous. Jesus turned his adventure into a mission. Peter was courageous. Jesus turned that courage into boldness for the sake of the gospel. Peter was a leader. Jesus used Peter's influence to lead the New Testament church. Peter was self-confident. Jesus took that trust that Peter had in himself and turned it into a full-blown trust and confidence in God. Peter's redeemed character was more focused, bolder, more influential, more confident than ever before. But listen, it took being broken to get there. It took being broken to get there. It took an acknowledgement of weakness to allow Christ's strength to be made perfect in Peter. Once broken, Peter was redeemed by Christ. A new, stronger, bolder, better Peter emerged and the world was changed as a result. Peter was used by God to spread the light of the gospel. And that light, the light of God's spirit and God's truth, the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Chapel Hill Church, is in you and me. It's in us. We have that light. So can I ask you a question? What do you want God to do with the light that he's put in you? Have you thought through that? What do you want him to do with the light that he has put in you? What do you want God to do with your character, with your legacy? There's a lot that's good about you. There was a lot that was good about Peter. Jesus called Peter to follow him and went about making Peter's good better. What do you want God to do with your good? What do you want him to do? Peter's legacy is his witness. He boldly, courageously, confidently proclaimed truth, proclaimed the gospel wherever he went. Peter's legacy is not about what he did with his life. Peter's legacy is all about what God did with his life. What do you want your legacy to be? What do you want your legacy to be? Peter took the light of the gospel boldly, courageously, and confidently into his world. How's God going to use you to take the light of his gospel boldly, courageously, and confidently into your world? This series is called The Light. And this is what we're going to look at throughout the days ahead. 
For quite a while now, you've heard us use the term Jerusalem mandate. Jesus called his followers to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You've heard us refer to our neighborhoods as our Jerusalem. Now it's time for us to start giving this some traction. We want to equip you, Chapel Hill Church, to be a light in your neighborhoods, in your workplaces, in your community, where God has put you. So where do we turn for help with this? How about to the one who had his legacy redeemed by Jesus Christ? Peter was given a second chance, a second chance legacy. And just look at what God did with that second chance. I don't know about you, but I want a Peter-sized faith. I want a Peter-sized courage. I want Peter-sized leadership ability. I want Peter-sized trust in God. I want a mission. And God has given me one. It's right next door. It's across the street. Our world lives in those houses next to us and across the street from us. In those houses that line our streets There's darkness there and God is calling us to shine his light into that darkness. The book of 1 Peter opens with the words, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. This is the man who wrote the book that we're going to study. An adventurous, courageous, confident leader who was broken And redeemed by Jesus Christ. And may God do in us what he did in Peter. May God redeem our legacies to be legacies of those who have been filled, empowered, and used by Jesus to shine his light in the darkness. May that be our prayer for us, Chapel Hill. As we open up the book of 1 Peter together. And discover what God wants to say to us through his word. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward now and the worship team as we close the service. Will you pray with me as they do? Father, wherever we're at, whatever point we're at in our lives, we are at a place where your grace is available to us. And Father, we call on that grace. Will you give us grace as parents whose kids are getting settled back into school? We need your grace. Will you give us your grace as as men as we go on a retreat next week to, to connect with you in a deeper way? Will you bless that time for us? Will you speak to us? Will you allow us to set aside all the distractions of life and just listen to you? God, will you give us grace as a church as we enter this new period, this new school year, this new season for us? Will you bring your grace as we listen, as we seek, as we ask? Father, we bring to you our character, our legacy. And we lay it at your feet, trusting that as you did with Peter, you can do with us. 
God, I know that there is good in us that you have given us. You have created us with strengths, with abilities, with gifts. But those can only take us so far. Unless we have been broken and redeemed by you. So will you do that in us, Father? You know how hesitant I am to ask for for a breaking. But if that's what it takes for us to be redeemed by you, then do that in us. Thank you for allowing Peter to be broken so that you could demonstrate your redemptive power in his life. Thank you for taking his life, redeeming it, and using it to have such a tremendous impact on the world. God, if we could have just a part of that, make us the light that you created us to be. Do what needs to be done to redeem us to be that light. We ask this for the sake of ourselves and for the sake of your world. That they would meet you in us. That they would finally see the light in their darkness. We are calling on your grace, Father. Give us that grace. And we pray this in the name of the one who made this possible. In the name of the one who redeemed Peter. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen.